I'm Adam. I'm the lead pastor here. I'm excited to have you in the house of God this morning. And, um, and we've got a brand new series here, and I, and I just want to start off with a couple questions. And uh, you can shout these out. We want to get a little feedback right from the beginning. But what keeps people from God? And, and, and you can even lump that into what keeps people from church, which is a vehicle to have a relationship with God. But what keeps people away? Pride? Excuses? What kind of excuses? What's that? Too busy? Do you think some people are, are fearful? Hurt feelings? They've been hurt maybe. They've tried going to the church in the past. What do people think about God? Shame? Somebody said shame? Yeah. Distractions? We've got a lot going on in this world. I think, I think people stay away uh, for a few reasons, and, and, and actually a bunch, but uh, I think some of those bigger ones we just heard, and that is we've got a full life, and I think some people are just, they don't know what they're missing. And then I think there's some people that have, have been a part of it, or they've been affiliated with believers in the past, and they've been hurt. And then I think there's uh, people that, that know that they need something spiritually but they don't know what's going to happen if they come into a place like this. And they don't know how God's going to treat them when they come in. And I've heard expressions like this. Have you ever had a friend tell you if you've invited them to church, I think lightning would strike me if I set foot. Who has heard something like that from a friend? This is what we're getting at. And so, um, how many of you guys like uh, car dealer commercials? One sicko over here? <laughs> Two sickos? Okay. Here. Basically, a new car commercial goes like this. You're, you're shown the, the beautiful car, which I, you guys, if you know me at all, I love lots and lots of cars, and, and uh, I, I just think they're fantastic ways to waste money and time and get speeding tickets. And, um, but they, they have this advertisement and especially when they're trying to get you in, these are the dealership commercials. So you have like the, the Lexus commercial, just wants to show you how cool the car is. But then you have the dealer, they want you to go to their dealership. So they're making a big deal about this small, you know, only uh, small sum of money that, you know, your kids might not be able to eat, but, you know, you can at least afford this monthly payment. But then what happens at the end of that car commercial? You start to hear this guy talk really, really fast, and you see the small print show up here at the bottom. And I think people feel like that about the church. I think that, that they feel like there's this bait-and-switch thing going to happen, that there's this thing that's too good to be true that is being presented and maybe even modeled in your life. Hopefully it is. Hopefully you're showing a real walk with Jesus and, and what that looks like. And, and they see something that's attractive about that, but they're afraid of the fine print. What keeps Christ followers defeated and not living to their fullest in Jesus? Why do the statistics seem to match outside the church to inside the church. Addiction, pornography, divorce, depression, anxiety. Why, is, why are the numbers so similar inside the church to outside the church? 
that should disturb us because there should be a reason why we're here. It's supposed to do something to the inside, and I believe it has in my life. I believe that, that, that I've learned how to follow Jesus, and it has helped me uh, not just insulate me from things, but helped me navigate some of those things and, and set me free from things. What we're going to talk about these, uh, this next series is grace. And the title of the series is Graceful, specifically spelled wrong on purpose because it, it does mean to be full of grace, but I want to emphasize that on this series, is that God has made an incredible, incredible provision for us so that we could live lives full of grace. And so these next few weeks, uh, we're going to talk about these things. Uh, today is just what is grace, kind of a, a big a kind of a broad view look at it. And I'm, I'm hoping you guys give me some feedback on social media, even email me. I can incorporate your comments or your questions into the next few messages. I would really love that on this series because I think this is a uh, kind of muddy water in the church. And we're going to talk more about that today. So what is grace? That's today. Uh, week two, what are the limits of grace? What do you mean by that? Well, we're going to talk about things like eternal security, otherwise known as once saved, always saved. We're going to talk about unpardonable sin, the, the boogeyman sin that, that's mentioned in the Bible. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, suicide for a little bit. And we're going to see what, what can grace handle. So if you are interested in that, I hopefully you can uh, be here next week from that. Uh, in the third installment, we're going to see what it, how do we deal with sin being under grace? What should that look like in, in the life of a believer? Does that seem relevant to you? Because I know way too many Christians that are still beating themselves up for things that they've been forgiven for already. And they don't really know what to do about the, the sin that they just committed because they said something nasty to their wife on the way to the church, you know? So uh, what, what, what should our engagement be with sin at this point? And then the final week is, is simply called Unshackled, and I just believe that we want to push through in this series and really dig into what it means to live free. Is that okay with you guys? Okay, hopefully this will bless you. So what is Grace. The short definition, the best one I've heard, is unmerited favor. Unmerited. Well, I got demerits, so I know what that is. Um, but, but what's merit? What's, what's unmerited? If you were in the scouts or, or one or the other, you maybe had merit badges. So what's a merit badge? How do you get one besides stealing one from a weaker scout? You work. And so you earn, who's earned merit badges in their life? Who, who is a good little boy or girl scout? All right, who, who got their Eagle Scout? I know of one in here at least. I know Randy did. Okay, good, good, good. So if, 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 if the power goes out and, and like Armageddon hits, man, Randy's your guy. You, you go to the clear, nearest Marine or Randy and he'll, he'll get you a fire and kill something for you. And, uh, and you'll, you'll, you'll be fine, okay? Okay. Um, Merit badges are, are what you've earned. And so, so what do you do? You, 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 you uh, staple those? No, you sew those to your sash or, or to, your, to your uniform. And my son-in-law is a Marine, and so he gets to add things that he's achieved as a Marine, and so he can see his rank that he has earned, right? So we're used to this concept. This is where we've got to 
be set free from the inside out on how we think that we have to approach Father God and our salvation and freedom from sin. Because grace is unmerited favor. So it's like Father God, it's not like, it is. It's Father God placing this grace badge on you. How, did it, how do you get it? It's always Jesus. That's the best Sunday school answer ever. You're going to be right nine out of ten times, I guarantee you. Well, let's start today by what it isn't. I can tell you what it isn't, and that's graceless law. Graceless law exists in some churches, and, and, and it, it happens like this. Because they value what Jesus did so much. They love God so much. They know that the cost of the cross was so great, and they appreciate that so much that they want to be so careful. And, and they know what sin can do to people. And they've seen it firsthand, and they've seen it in their families, and they say, we don't want sin to wreck us, kill us, destroy our lives, or the people that we love. So we're going to live in fear of sin. And we're going to do everything we can to insulate us from even possibly sinning. And so this happened even in the Old Testament. There, there was the law given by God to Moses, and then there was this what's called a hedge around the law. So it was, you don't want to just go here. Well, it's to make sure you don't cross that line, let's put a few lines in front of it so that you don't ever get to the big one. Now there's some wisdom in that. There's some, there's some sins listed in the Bible that I believe are, are applicable. You, you can't go killing nobody. Okay, well, let's set a couple lines in the sand in front of that so that I don't just bounce into that all the time. Let's, let's make sure that I'm learning how to control my temper and that, and that I'm, I'm dealing with anger issues so that I'm not ever even... I've never legitimately thought about killing somebody. Like, it's, you know, I, I try to keep myself way back here. Just want to give, just want to hurt them. Right? So it makes sense to put a hedge around the law. But what happens is that next thing you know, you have traded one set of shackles for another, and God has provided this sacrifice for you to live free. And instead of living in the freedom that He's provided, you're just in another set of bondage. If you hear any grace teaching, and here's what's tricky. These people will still use the word grace in their teaching. If you hear any grace teaching that focuses on what you have to do, you are always a filthy sinner in constant need of forgiveness to keep away from God's wrath. Run away. You have just experienced counterfeit grace. Along this line is where we, there's this dramatic um, every time you sin, you're putting Jesus back on the cross. What? That's not in here. That's, it's not in here. And so even the focus on, on what part of Jesus do we celebrate, there's a reason why we focus on the resurrection. is because we're thankful for the time He spent on the cross. We're thankful for that incredible moment that paid for your sins and mine. But my God's alive. 
And he wants me to live and to have life more abundantly. Ephesians. Is this okay if I preach like from the Bible today? Okay. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this. God saved you by his grace when you believed. That's how you get that grace badge. That's it. Take anything away from that, add anything to it, you've got a counterfeit. God saved you by His grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so no one can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Wow. It, it can't be about merit badges. We're not going to get to heaven and say, oh, wow, look at he. I, I always wanted to get that badge, but I just didn't quite make it to Africa and get my four, my four lost tribesmen saved. I just didn't quite get there. I didn't get the I gave a million dollars to Jesus badge. I, I just didn't quite get there. I just didn't get the I never kicked my dog in anger badge. I don't kick my dog, by the way. I just, Danielle's like, people are going to really think you kicked the dog. I'm like, no. I do yell at her. She doesn't want to get off the deck in the winter or when it rains. But there's not going to be this difference of badges up there. That's graceless law. What's lawless grace? Lawless grace sounds like this, is that is that we've got this freedom in Christ and you're just free to be you, man. It's, it's just good times. It's just good time and gravy on the taters. It's just, it's just about living. These things just come to me. I shouldn't say most of them, but bear with me. There's no responsibility for your life. But get this motivation, though. This is so important to hear that we see the motivation. We see it. We saw it back for graceless law. It's not just to hold people back. It originates in a love for what Christ did at the cross. And they just take it this other way out of love for it, and they end up with a counterfeit. The same thing happens on the other end. The hyper-grace movement, or whatever you want to call it, greasy grace, you, you call it whatever you want. The motivation behind these good people is that they say what God did on the cross. It's everything we need. That's true. They say that Jesus' blood was so valuable that that, that moment is, is all that matters. And so they also, out of a value for that cross and for what Christ did on it, they look at it and say, there's no way that I want to do anything that looks like I have to earn it. So I'm going to just let it happen to me because if I do anything, it's just me trying to earn it. And I do not want to do anything that's making me try to earn grace because otherwise I'm not living in grace. Do you see where this motivation comes from? This doesn't come out of a desire just to keep sinning. I don't believe that about these folks. Not for a minute. It's convenient. 
But seriously, there's a love of God's people for grace. But what is it and how do we live in it? Romans 6.14 says this, Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Is that really saying that I'm free to sin? Absolutely not. It's saying that I have freedom from sin. I have freedom from the sin that kept me in chains before salvation. And I have freedom from the sin that that I will struggle with until I'm in heaven. To whatever I trip over between now and then. I have freedom from it. I'm supposed to be able to live above it. The stats are supposed to look different inside of the church. Not freedom to sin, freedom from sin. Let me share you an illustration that I was real proud of up until really doing a deep dive on this this week. And I, I, think, it's, I think it's good, but I thought it was great a week ago. So, so listen to this. I picture God's grace being like a waterfall. The water's flowing, and, and, and there's nothing you can do about it. Right? Has anybody been to Old Man's Cave and seen one of the waterfalls there? It's like the only one you can see in Ohio. So, you know, go look at it. Take a picture. And I can remember being there as a kid and as an adult, and, and there's just something that kind of, I want to go get under that waterfall. And so, you know, you take the, take the socks and shoes off. And, and, and even dumbers, when you go like in May, like the first, you know, 70-degree day, and so half of Franklin County's down there. And then you get down there, and that water is still about 20 degrees. But there's something that draws you to that waterfall. And so I picture grace, and I think this is a decent illustration that the God's grace is like a waterfall. There's nothing I can do to earn it, to stop it, to whatever else, but I can sure determine on whether I'm standing under it or not. And that there's things I can do in my life that, that put me closer to or away from that waterfall. And I, and I, I really do th- think that grace is like that. I think that there's freedom that God has for my life that are, that, that's kind of waiting for me to access in a way. And hopefully you hear just even the, 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 the struggle that I have even explaining it because I, w- I want to get this right too. But then as I've been reading this week, I see my own issues with grace. And this is where you have to be honest with yourself is, is do you veer to do you just naturally veer to law? Like uh, graceless law? Or do you naturally veer towards lawless grace? What do I mean by that? Do you tend to be a bit rebellious and just kind of a free spirit and, and, and I, I really embrace that idea that, that I really don't have a, responsi- a, a big responsibility in this relationship? If that's your tendency, then that's where you're going to veer, just like your car being out of alignment. And so you've got to hold the wheel to keep it from going in the, in the ditch. Well, as I've re- been reading this week, 
I'm reminded once again that I naturally veer towards graceless law. And so I can snap to judgment over other people. I can be extremely hard on myself for my failures and shortcomings. And so even as I look at grace, it doesn't surprise me that the best illustration I could come up with still required for me to do things to access the things that God wants to pour into my life. And that's where that grace teaching is so important is because you've got to, you've got to undo this thought of, of, of what I have to do. So it's up to me whether grace pours through my life. So I've got a 2.0 on that illustration. I've got an update after studying this week. I don't believe that the waterfall's there and it's up to me whether or not I do the things to put me under that waterfall. I believe as a child of the living God because I've been saved, because I've given my heart to Jesus, I believe that that water falls right above my head no matter what I do. So what does that look like? How come I still mess up? What do I do with this, with this sin that I still wrestle with? I need to understand that there's this grace that's there that's available to me all the time. And that I'm never separated from it, but it's there. Jesus says, he says this phrase over and over again as he was teaching. He says, he says those who have ears, let them hear. Those who have eyes, let them see. I believe the reason why the church struggles so much with the, at, to the same degree is because we're not seeing this waterfall of grace in our lives. And we just went through a series on Joseph, and I believe it's why he was able to just navigate it. I think he just knew that he just trusted God's direction, and he looked at his brothers that had betrayed him, and he said, just stop. I'm okay with the past. I know that God used this to get me here. I see God's grace in my life, even though I'm in prison, even though I'm in, 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 in Potiphar's house, even though, even though I'm in a cistern. And so I do think it's similar. I, I know that there are ways that grace can move through me that I'm, I'm, I'm just not seeing and I'm not allowing through. Let's keep going before somebody throws something at me. John Wesley said this. He said, it's the gift of God. No man is able to work it in himself. It is a work of omnipotence. It requires no less power thus to quicken a dead soul than to raise a body that lies in the grave. It is a new creation, and none can create a soul anew but he who at first created the heavens and the earth. I want to see the new creation that Christ is already working in me. The provision's already there is what I'm getting at. The provision is already, if I have Jesus in my heart, then, then that means the Holy Spirit is with me. It means I'm never, the waterfall's Jesus. I, I, I can't be apart from Him as a believer is what I'm getting at. He, he said when He left, He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who is another, 
another one who's going to walk alongside of you. So that means that it's not a matter of me being separated from the waterfall. It's what's going on inside of me. John 3.16 is probably the most quoted verse by Christians and in the church. It says that God loved the world so much that He sent His Son to die on a cross to pay for your sins and my sins so that we might have, fill in the blank, eternal life. And this grace teaching is all about the eternal life starting at salvation, not when you die and go to heaven. And so it's about the light coming on inside of us. Grace is not just forgiveness, it is transformative. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, it says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new creation. The old life is gone and a new life has come. And that's what John Wesley was talking about. Who can create, who can restore a soul except for the one who created the heavens and the earth? Who can rebuild you better or at all other than the one who made you? So let's talk about some of these things that, 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 that pop up in churches about Old Testament versus New Testament, law versus grace, Old Covenant, New Covenant. Who's heard those expressions before? Well, I'm a New Testament Christian. Good. If that means you're an old, not an Old Testament Christian, then I'm concerned. Because if you want to see grace, read the Old Testament. Read it. We just spent time with Joseph, but go back to even Adam and Eve. Well, they were judged. They were left alive. And not only left alive, but still given the glorious responsibility for starting humanity and, and given, uh, given coverings after they sinned and, and, and given what they needed and, and go through Moses, go through Daniel, go through everyone. Well, what about that sacrificial system? What about that altar and that tent and that temple? That's one big picture of God's grace. That's one big picture of I want to have a relationship with you and this is how we're going to make it work for right now. No, don't throw away the Old Testament, please. What about law versus grace? Well, I, 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 don't, I don't need to worry. The law is meaningless to me. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a grace Christian. Listen to John 1.17. For the law was given through Moses, but God's un unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. And Jesus would even say, just in uh, Matthew 5.17, that I did not come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill the law. And then He would do another teaching about commandments, and He would say that there's these two commandments you need to worry about. So the Old Testament listed a whole bunch of commandments, and they were all, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. 
And so if you walk into a church that gives you a lot of thou shalt nots, I'd be concerned that you're, you're pegging too far to the graceless law. Because Jesus said, I fulfilled the law. And so he gives his disciples two commandments. He says, the, one, the one's good for all time. Love the, God, love, love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. It's about the love. And then what does he say? He said, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, all of the law can be summed up in these two things. In these things. Well, it doesn't sound like he threw away the law. But instead of me worrying about what not to do, if I am loving you, I'm not going to steal from you. If I'm loving you, I'm not going to be killing you. If I'm loving the Lord, I'm not going to be willingly hurting the Lord. Do you see this? It's about replacing what I'm trying to stay away from instead of looking at what am I running to? Law versus grace. What about new covenant, old covenant? Well, the old covenant was this. And, and, and God gave it to His people. And it said that there's a penalty for sin. And we're going to... Vegetarians, vegans, hold your ears. We're going to take it out on the critters. And so there was a system... Of, of applying and, and being a symbolic uh, replacement for our lives. So, so the animals would be killed instead of us, which God had a right to do out of judgment for our sins. And He would place that and, and symbolically place it on those animals and then their blood would be spilled at a, at, to cover the cost of the sins of the people. Sounds barbaric and just absolutely nuts. And if that happened somewhere today, like we would think that they were just crazy people. But I still, if you can look at it and try to look back at it through, through the lens of that time and see God's grace even in that, you'll see that God is consistent. He doesn't go from angry God to grace God from the Old Testament to the New Testament. So what's the New Covenant? The New Covenant says that Jesus' blood shed on the cross was the one payment needed for all sins, for all people, for all time. One and done. Sounds like a better deal. At least the vegetarians are on board. Like, good. Paul tells us about the glory of the new covenant in 2 Corinthians 3, 7-18. I want you guys to hear these words today. The old way with laws etched in stone led to death, though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. For his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. They're referring to a time uh, that, or any time that Moses would spend time in the Lord's presence. So he went up to the top of a mountain for 40 days. That's when he got the Ten Commandments. You're familiar with that story. When he came down, he didn't realize that his face was glowing. 
This is in the Bible. And it freaked people out. And then it continues, it says that he was allowed to spend time in the holiest room, in, the, in the, basically the portable temple that they would set up, and every time he would go in, his face would get a recharge. I'm not joking, it's in here. And he would wear a veil to interact with people because it just it it just be like people just couldn't get past sunface here. Like you're glowing, dude. Like this is pre, you know, nuclear stuff, and he looked like he'd been hanging out with, you know, with the hot stuff. He's glowing. So this says. It began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. And this is also a reference to the people choosing that they would rather somebody else deal with God and pass on His truth to them than for them to encounter Him directly. It's very key to where we're going here with this new covenant, this life and grace that we know. For his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. So it would fade the longer he stayed out of the holy place with God. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? If the old way which brings condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? In fact, that first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. Paul's a little excited. So if the old way which has been replaced was glorious, how much more glorious is the new which remains forever? Since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened and to this day, whenever the Old Covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. This is where it gets good. Listen. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. That's 2 Corinthians 3, 7-18, through by the way. I would recommend spending some time in that this week. So what is our relationship with God's law and how do we live under this thing called grace? This is just getting started. This is just week one. I'm going to take a few things from that passage. First thing comes from verse 8. We should expect greater glory. We should expect greater glory. Andrew talked about trust today. We we should expect God to move. We should expect healings. We should expect wholeness. We should expect freedom from anxiety, from depression. We should we should expect uh, we should expect healing of our relationships. We should expect God to move. We should expect a greater glory. Do you see that? 
That is a different way to live because I think one of the reasons why we, we struggle with at the same rate that the world struggles is because I don't believe largely that Christians are living with that expectation of greater glory. I have a better deal. I should have greater glory. One, we should expect greater glory. Number two, verse 12. I want to spend a couple minutes on this. We can be very bold. What's he talking about? Well, there's a confidence that should come from being a child of God. Just definitely interacting uh, on the planet and moving through your life. And we're going to touch on this more later in the series, but I believe we can be very bold when it comes to sin. What do I mean by that? In a deference of respect for the cross, I believe that there is an overemphasis on what to do in regards to sin in your, in your life. And, and this goes back to that phrase I meant, uh, said earlier about that you're putting Christ back on the cross. That there's this, you should have this huge, you should have this huge ordeal every time you process sin between you and the Lord. That it should be this dramatic, I am a sinner, I am in need of, like it should be this hat in hand kind of thing. I don't believe that's, I don't believe that's what's written. I believe that the Bible teaches that the sins that are in, that are coming my way, you can ask anybody that knows me, I have not achieved perfection yet. So that means they're coming. Right? Have those sins already been forgiven? That is a big topic in the church. They have. So what is my what is my and what do I do with that? And this is where those two sides, they, 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 they're so concerned for the value of cross that one would say, well, you've got you've, you've to do penance. You've got you've to buckle down, buddy. You've got to, oh man, there's going to be consequences. And, and oh boy, you've, you've got to, you've, ooh, ooh. And then there's the hyper grace side that says, don't even blink, keep right on walking. That's been covered. Because of the value of what Christ did on the cross. You see, they're coming from the they're some they're coming from the same heart. But this is what I this is my understanding of this and, and I want to share it with you today is that I do believe that every sin has already been covered. Christ he, his time was on the cross two thousand years ago. He's not going back up on it. Not for you, me or anybody else. He doesn't have to. So look at it like this. I don't go hat in hand to the Lord. I would say humility is a correct description here. But it should not be impoverished and, oh, please have mercy on me. I don't think that's, I don't think that's what Christ did in my heart. There's a boldness that I believe can come because I already know the answer. There is a provision already made for my sin. So I believe that 
what, that the moment can look something like this. Oh man, God. I blew it. I, I, I'm glad you showed that to me. You know, maybe the Holy Spirit told you. Maybe it was just your wife. Or maybe it was your friend who loves you enough to challenge something in your life. Or maybe you just finally saw it <laughs> down the road. It should be like in a relationship. And if you love the people that you if you love the people you are in relationship with, you're not intentionally trying to hurt them. But what happens as you move through life? You hurt my feelings. Well, I didn't mean to. I, I'm I, I'm sorry about that. Or or what you're doing is hurting me. Man, I'm I'm sorry about that. And in the case with the Lord, now I believe in, in like a marriage covenant or, or a, a, a friendship where you have committed to each other. I have a couple close friends that they're my buds for life. I am tapping in to the covenant I have with them when I make a mistake towards them. I'm going to them expecting them to forgive me. And they can come to me with the same expectation. Now, people, we're still going to get a little fussy and, and, and we can not get this quite right. But what the Lord is promising to you is that if you have come to Him and you have given your heart to Him, you have crossed the line of faith, you've said, I've chosen to believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've asked Him, Lord, I'm asking You to forgive me of my sins and, and call me Yours. The Bible says that you are a new creation in that moment. And so from that moment on, you say, Lord, I thank You for forgiving my sins. I can be bold because I know the answer. I know that the provision's already there. I'm not wondering if He's going to forgive me. I'm thanking Him that He already has. Do you see the difference? There's freedom there. And so many Christians are walking around, especially if there's something they're struggling with. Now, now willful sin and, and trying to live a double life. Um, Joseph Prince says this. He says, if you hear any grace teaching that tells you it's all right to sin and live without regard for the Lord, there are no consequences to sin, my advice to you is to flee from that teaching. You've just been exposed to counterfeit grace. You... No Christian makes that decision to be saved just to get a license to sin. That's not what we're talking about. But so many people walk around head held low. Number one, we should expect greater glory. Number two, we can be very bold. Number three, verse 17 says, where the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. Freedom should be a hallmark of your life and my life. If we're just as bound up to one thing or the other, then we are not walking in the grace that God has provided for us. That's what I'm saying. The waterfall's here, but, but there's something. There, there's, something there, there's something in my mind, in my heart. There's something that's, that's not letting God's grace change this part of me. And that's what this series is about. It's about hearing what God is saying. It's about seeing the things that are there. That this provision is there for you whether or not you see it, but my gosh, let's see it. Let's, let's believe it so we can walk in it. Freedom should be a hallmark. It should be a calling card of people in the church. 
God should be, we should be getting set free from the things in our life. That should be an expectation here. That's, there's, there's a reason why you go to people in prayer. We'll have prayer teams up here in a, in a short time. Why would we have prayer teams up here for you? It's not just to confess your sins. It's not just to unload your troubles. It should be going through these things. I'm expecting greater glory in my life. There's something keeping me from, great, from glory in my life right now, and, and I need a breakthrough. And you come up with a boldness. Now some people are it's shy maybe to, to talk about something going in your life, but there should be an understanding inside that God wants to set you free. That's the boldness I'm talking about. And then third, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I want to finish with this thought as the worship team's coming up. Our faces can always be shining. Our faces can always be shining. Yeah, worship team, you guys can come on up. I'm going to close. We just talked about in the Scripture about Moses. He spent 40 days up on the mountain with God and he came back looking like a glowworm. It would fade. He would go spend time in the tabernacle, the portable temple, and he would come out and his face would be bright again. And then it would fade. And then he would go back into the tabernacle and it would get brighter again. Friends, this new covenant is about us being clothed in the righteousness of Christ. It's about you and me walking in freedom that the cross already paid for. It's about us being able to stay in the presence of God. Not choosing for somebody else to do it on our behalf. Not coming and going and letting it fade in between visits. But it's about the Spirit of the living God taking up residence in your soul and in my soul. And so that waterfall or another teaching in the church is that it's a fountain is on the inside. And friends, that's a good place to be. Can we pray this morning? Talked about this waterfall of grace today. And that our access to it is through faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That phrase does have two parts. It's saving. It's saving us from our sins, from the penalty of death that we all deserved. 
but we also call him Lord. We're choosing to put our lives under his leadership, under his authority. And friends, he's already the King of kings and Lord of lords, but what he's allowed us to do through this thing called free will is he's allowed us to choose whether or not he's the king or not of our hearts. If he's the king of kings over your heart, that's your access point to grace. That's it. If you've never made that decision and you want Jesus to forgive you today and lead you into tomorrow, I want to pray with you. Would you raise your hand this morning? The Bible calls it salvation. We just read in 2 Corinthians, it says you become a new creation and only the Lord can rebuild and restore a soul. Is that anyone in this room this morning? Want to be obedient to the Lord. What about this greater glory? What about this boldness? What about this freedom? If one or all of those has eluded you and you're sitting in church today wondering, gosh, I just don't think he can really handle what's going on inside my heart. I'm not sure how much he really loves me. I don't feel confident here. I don't feel confident talking to the Lord. I'm not seeing the freedom that the Bible talks about in my life. If that's you this morning, I want you to come forward and receive prayer today. I want to pray with you or one of our awesome prayer teams. These are things that are provided under this thing called the new covenant. These are the things that are included in grace. And I hope you'll come back and, and, and dive deep with us these next few weeks as we understand grace. Father God, we thank you for this word. God, I thank you for every soul that's in this room. God, I thank you that we are new creations. As soon as we cross that line of faith and trust you to forgive us of our sins, all of them, Lord, all of the ones that we've done, all the ones that are coming, God, you are enough. And Father God, I pray that we would hold our heads high in your presence, not out of pride, but Father God, out of thankfulness for the provision you've made through the cross. God, I thank you that I can live as a free man because of what you've paid for. God, I thank you that everything that can go through me and in me and deal, that I can deal with in my life is subject to the authority of you, God, and that, that I can walk in freedom. God, I pray for breakthrough over this next month. God, I pray that this would be a church that gets a greater understanding of your grace. We want to get this one right, God. Meet with your people, God. Set them free. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we worship, please come forward and pray. If you've made a decision or you want to let us know what's going on in your life, you can uh, turn in a decision card and, and say whether you want to be baptized or not. We're going to do baptisms in about five weeks. And so um, you can let us know if you want to do that. Let's stand and worship.